Hello out there, dear listeners. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer, and you are tuned into Mountain Talk. This is its new time slot and format. From now on, Mountain Talk will be a half-hour show every Thursday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. So, before we get started, it seems worth noting that everything is pretty weird and kind of scary in the world right now. So just wanted to say that and also that hopefully the following mostly entirely non-COVID-19 related show will be a nice break for you. April is National Poetry Month and so we're bringing you two episodes chock full of poetry written and read by Appalachian women. This is part one and in it we'll hear from Pauletta Hansel, Rebecca Gale Howell, and Rose McClarney. Hope you enjoy. My name is Pauletta Hansel, and I am a poet, uh, a writer, a teacher of creative writing. Um, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. I actually, all over southeastern Kentucky, lived for a while in in uh, Seco and Fleming Neon when when I was really little. Uh, but think about really Breathitt County and Jackson, Kentucky, as being my hometown because that's the place that I left and and returned to um, while my parents were still living there. I live in Cincinnati now, and I have since uh, late 1979 and have been very involved in the Urban Appalachian Council and the Urban Appalachian Community Coalition. And so keeping um, really a a strong connection with my uh with my Appalachianness through uh both the work that I do here in Cincinnati and also through my connections with uh, my my family and and my friends particularly my writer friends throughout the region so the next question is um i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your kind of journey towards becoming a writer and a poet, um, kind of early memories of connection to writing and and at what point you really felt like a writer or how that kind of went for you. Okay. I started writing really very early, uh, pre, pre-memory of writing, actually. My, my first book apparently was one that I, I dictated to my to my mom. Um, and that's that's how the how the story goes anyway. Uh, but I really remember um, first thinking of myself as a writer and beginning to take writing very seriously when I was in uh, in junior high in Breathitt County, Kentucky. And I also published really early uh, as a young writer. I um, was involved with publications in Scholastic Magazine, but also at that time, uh, Appleshop had a literary journal called Mountain Review. And that was my first um first time of publishing alongside uh, other Appalachian writers and alongside adult writers. And it uh, sort of this this coming together of a self-identity as a writer and a self-identity as a person from Appalachia, um, those, those two awarenesses were intertwined for me from almost the very beginning. I became involved in the Southern Appalachian Writers Cooperative, which Gurney Norman had just moved back from California to, to and and helped to found. I was uh, a student at the uh, Southern Appalachian Circuit of Antioch College in West Virginia, where 
our writing group, the Sukhni Poets, uh, were very much instrumental in helping to found some of the early uh, creative writing movements in Appalachia as well. So from the beginning, these 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 this sort of dual identity as as Appalachian and as writer has um, has been part of my myself hood. I think now, if if there are a few poems that you'd want to read for us, that would be great. Sure. This poem is called "The Road," and it is uh, published most recently in Coal Town Photograph, uh, which is my latest book of poetry. And I think folks who are familiar with uh, Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia will will recognize the at least my version of this road, the road. Where I'm from, everybody had a flower garden, and I'm not talking about landscaping, those variegated grasses poking up between the yellow day lilies that bloom more than once. Even the rusted out trailer down in the green bottoms had snowball bushes that outlived the floods. Even the bootlegger's wife grew roses up the porch pillar still flecked with a little paint, and in the spring, her purple irises rick-racked the rutted gravel drive. Even the grannies changed out of their house dresses to thin the sprouts of zinnias, so come summer they'd bloom into moo-moos of scarlet and coral down by the road. Now driving that road that used to take me home, I think how maybe it's still true. Everybody says down here it's nothing but burnout shaken bakes and skinny girls looking for a vein. But everywhere I look, there's mallows and glads, begonias and rubber tire planters painted to match, cannies red as the powder my mother would pat high on her cheekbones when she wanted to be noticed for more than her cobblers and beans. Everywhere, there's some sort of beautiful somebody worked hard at, no matter how many times they were told, nobody from here even tries. That particular road actually is 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 Route 15 <laughs> uh, from a <clears throat> from the Mountain Parkway into into Jackson and beyond. So I also will share some of my newer poems. Um, after I finished Coltown Photograph, I decided that I wanted to um, work on some poems about Eastern Kentucky and growing up that were totally non-nostalgic. And so here is a poem called, Home is the place where when you have to go there, you only think about how to get out. Busted up doll heads where the canned goods used to be, sun-steeped hill-buckled sidewalks, and everybody just looks tired. Nobody cares this is where your mother used to buy her meat. The houses you lived in plowed under, moles scuttle through plumbing cracked with black dirt and roots. Nobody cares about your old woman body grown on the bones of the girl who walked these streets. Everybody has their own worn bones. Everybody remembers you, sort of. The newspaper man calls you by your mother's name. You can't remember the name of who you sat next to in math class or whose back seat you crawled out of nights, the river fog so dense you came home hair and misplaced clothes all damp and smelling like mountain. Nobody cares you know this town by what is gone, the stench of grease spilled from the closed pool hall, the mailbox on the corner where the boys sprawled, pelvises jutted out to block your path. You pull up your car too close to the high curb somebody told you was made for hitching horses. 
Nobody has any horses. This uh, this poem is uh, comes from um, reading the news this summer about the actions that the Harlan County miners were taking in response um, to Black Jewel. Harlan County, USA, 2019. Maybe it is a revelation to you but miners know how to stop a train. Maybe you think that love of coal means love of the company. Let me tell you what we love about coal. It's the paycheck, the one we don't have. It's the food that's not on the table, the new backpack that won't be on his back my boy's first day of school, the doctor his granny won't be seeing for her heart. Remember, we're used to the dark. We can see the car on the track filling up the mine you pulled us out of. We can see inside your pockets, lined green from the rock we dug for free. And here is a brand new poem, Postcard from the Pandemic, March 18th, 2020. I am spending a lot of time in cemeteries these days. No risk of hurting anybody, and the earth's slow greening plods along, as always, as I walk the blacktop road. The dogwood still buttoned tight down the branches. Everybody's tucked in place. Last night, I dreamed it was my mother calling on the red slimline phone beside my bed. Until I'd laid down the receiver with its satisfying clunk, I had forgotten she was dead two years now. Awake, I never forget. All over the internet, daughters, sisters, wives are locked outside the nursing home door. Those who die are dying mostly alone. In the end, the only speech my mother knew was touch. If I could reach through dream and find her on the other side of the corded line, I'd tell her, I miss you. I don't wish you were here. Oh, thank you. Those are really Thanks. powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for hopping on the phone with me today and sharing some of your poetry with us. Thank you, Rachel. That was Pauletta Hansel, a poet based in Cincinnati, Ohio. You can find out more about her and her writing at paulettahansel.wordpress.com. We continue this National Poetry Month episode of Mountain Talk with Rebecca Gale Howell. I am Rebecca Gale Howell. I'm a writer and translator originally from Lexington, Kentucky. And um, I've published two books. One is called Render, uh, and the second one is called American Purgatory. I teach for the Lewis Honors College at the University of Kentucky, and I'm the poetry editor at Oxford American. And so... I wonder if you could tell us about sort of your journey towards becoming a poet. I, um, like I said, I was born in Lexington and I've spent most of my life here, but um, I was raised in Elizabethtown, more or less. And while we were there, my daddy came down with Hodgkin's disease. We were working class. We didn't have medical insurance. Um, my dad was a fry cook in our diner, but he was a, a veteran. He, he had been a Marine. And 
was able to get chemotherapy at the VA in Lexington. And so he would drive over to Lexington, um, receive his treatment, drive back and work his shifts. Um, he had a very powerful work ethic and will. But on those trips, he would stop at the local bookstore in Lexington, uh, Joseph Beth, and buy for me whatever book made sense to buy from the clearance rack and bring it home to me as a gift. Um, and of course, poetry is always on the clearance racks. <laughs> Elizabethtown didn't really have an independent bookstore, a bookstore at all um, at the time. And so these were just treasures. And it, it uh, started cooking my imagination early as an 11, 12 year old, I was reading T.S. Eliot, I was reading Dickinson. Um, Langston Hughes, um, I was training my ear and uh, also my heart. Um, I wonder if you could read a few poems for us. Sure. Um, I thought I would read from my first book, uh, which was called Render. And um, it's, I write uh, novels in verse which is to say that the poems tell a story um, if you read them together. And in this book, um, the story is pretty simple. There are two characters, two human characters. One is a guy who's um, found himself waking up on a subsistence farm in East Kentucky, uh, not unlike my grandparents' place. Um, and not knowing how to survive there. The other human character is the narrator. Um, she's kind of a trickster. She sometimes gives him instructions for how to thrive in this new place and sometimes gives him instructions that require him to learn the hard way. Um, this book came out of me worrying about climate change, um, worrying about how we would start to treat each other once resources became so thin. And I thought to myself, well, there's, there's no better location for asking these questions than imagining a place like my grandparents' subsistence farm. Um, because when you live that close to the land and you're truly dependent on it, um, issues of one's responsibilities to each other, to a place, become quite clear. So I'll read a few poems from that book. Um, like I said, the poems are all instructions. How to kill a rooster. Because he spurred you, grab him by his neck and his legs. Hold him in both your hands. Look him in the eye. Let him ask if you are to kill him today. Then tell him yes. Say yes with your own eye 
just before you take him to the clothesline and tie him up by his yellow feet. Take a blade, cut his throat, watch his blood drip to the ground, watch his wings spread and flap and flap. And while you watch this desperate bird and think to yourself, I will never be like him. Remember, in the end, you will drop him in boiling water. Pluck each of his oily feathers between your fingers. Remember, in the end, you will taste him for good. How to kill a hen. Enter the night coop whistling. Through your teeth, sink. In this awful world of sorrow, sing. In this wicked path of sin, tuck her under your arm and walk away from the laying birds, the cuckold morning rising in their dumb wings. Walk away from sleep. Make sure her hollow bones alone will be warmed by it, your wordless bellows breast. But this is your gift to her. Tell her you never think of tomorrow. Tell her or what you'd lose in the end. Enter the night coop whistling, leave whistling. Climb the dust hill. When you get up to the house, ring wants the orbit of your failing over your head, a breaking neck. For this is your gift to her. You can hear your savior calling, barefaced and feather red. So as I wrote these poems, part of what I was learning was that there was another character among them, and it was the animals. The animals are the ones who really knew what I needed to know. Um, and that can be summarized by the book's epigraph, which is by a poet named Audrey Wrench. And she writes, without tenderness, we are in hell. So I'll read one last poem that um, really helped me to understand that. And it comes from a little bit of uh, knowledge that our farming listeners will know that when a cow is about to give birth, she will go off by herself. Um, because we've bred cattle, we've, we've engineered them to be um, incredibly palatable mammals that are vulnerable. They don't have any way of defending themselves against predators. 
And so when she gives birth, um, she knows the calf won't be able to walk for several days. And uh, she goes off so they can be by themselves. And she cleans the calf constantly, day and night, with her tongue so that the smell won't draw predators. This poem imagines a human being cleaned of what maybe our sin against each other and this place. A brief atlas for return. When the herd arrives, you will be lost in the field without the cover of trees. Your days wet and natal with wide heat. Your sense absent, your drought throat. Behold their approach, silence of their silence, how they rend the soil with their hooves, smelling blood guilt seeped underneath, how they will not leave what was abandoned, how they circle you, mother tongues upon your forehead, your neck, your back, and bold chest anointing you, new and without scent, without name. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the phone with me today and sharing some of your poetry with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rachel. That was Rebecca Gale Howell. You can find more of her writing at RebeccaGaleHowell.com. Last, in part one of our National Poetry Month-themed Mountain Talk, we'll hear from Rose McClarney. Hello, I'm Rose McClarney. Um, I am a poet and a teacher of creative writing currently in Opelika, Alabama, which is a town uh, near Auburn University where I teach. I'm originally from the mountains of western North Carolina, and while the landscape I find myself in here is is pretty different. Um, it's still Appalachian in, in some uh, biological senses. Um, and I'm not too far from home and I get to work with a good range of students here. Uh, my book that I'll be reading from today is uh, Forage, a recent collection from Penguin Poets. I wonder if now you would be up for reading some poems for us. Of course. Um, I will start with what is pretty much the last poem of my book, Forage, um, because it's just one that I like to read. Uh, it, it's one of those poems that I didn't have to fight with tremendously to get it to uh, happen. And so I think the sound sort of reflects, it's got, a, yeah, it's got kind of a wild sound that I'm not sure I am entirely responsible for. It might have been its own little poem. It just came this way. <laughs> Fresh tracks. Koi wolf, new dog coyote wolf hybrid, already numbers in the millions. And that's the headline that I quote at the beginning of the poem. Out of coyote and wolf crossed, out of coyote's compromises, about where to live, what to hunt. Out of wolf's big bones, bearing wolf's bulk, fed by wolf's broad jaw, wolf's bite, out of dog, out of willingness to mate with dog, out of tameness turned, away from coyness, out of coyness, into clamor, 
crashes of cars and construction, into noise no longer weapon against the wild, into crowds, into cities, not creeping, holding full tail high, nose proudly low, for the trails to where fat suburban rabbits go, into the unheralded havens of highway sides, into the unclaimed kingdoms of park corners, into habitats we create that cannot shelter us, the tender furless. Following graveyards, green beckoning glows from burrow to burrow. Each generation, gorged on garbage, grows. From earth, when we can no longer endure or be endured. From coal forests cut and no more. From trees, from all we've made fall like the trees. Following timber, following trade routes, following trains, arriving by railroad, as once to the West, another civilization. Out of survival, out of desire for it, out of dogs past being pets and the doggedness with which life persists, despite the end of one form of it. Out of the fresh tracks life lays, over the ways of we who will not scavenge, so cannot be saved. Street crossing, sidewalking, coy wolves, not coy, they come. And I'll follow that one with um, another poem from the book. Um, you know, that poem's about being fascinated with a creature that may be able to adapt and survive in ways that humans can't. Um, this one is, I guess, about the smaller ways that I, as a human, have tried to adapt to finding myself living, for instance, in a, in a neighborhood. Um, I never wanted to live in a neighborhood where I could see other houses. I wanted to live far out in the woods forever. Um, but the poem is also about other things. It's called American Persimmon. I've tried to carry a persimmon home, to share one fruit. I pass the tree running, a pursuit which allows no pockets, no bags, needs no equipment, no team. I was many miles away and could not clench my fist. I told myself to hold my hands like good men every time they choose not to use their strength. But a good persimmon is already halfway to ruin. A ripe fruit falls, wrinkled and dark, too fragile to bear reaching the ground. It bursts, too fragile to bear touch. The skin of the fruit I gathered skidded off. Pulp pushed past my knuckles' best intentions. Men can be considered good for what they don't do. How small of a taken action could be a saving grace then? I tried again, another day, dropping a persimmon in the emptiness between my breasts. Home, undressed, there was only a sweaty smear no man could find sensuous. Some things are best enjoyed alone. Some things can only be enjoyed alone. And so this morning, I eat right on the roadside, picking grit from fruit's soft insides. Across town, a man I love sleeps, 
around the world, the hungry and sleepless. Here, my fingers so sugared, I can't suck them clean. That was Rose McClarney. You can find more of her writing at rosemclarney.com. That's it for this episode of Mountain Talk, celebrating National Poetry Month. Please tune in next Thursday at 6 p.m. for part two, featuring Savannah Sipple, Ansel Elkins, and George Ella Lyon. If you'd like to hear this or previous episodes of Mountain Talk again, you can find them on our website at wmnt.org or download Mountain Talk as a podcast from SoundCloud or Stitcher. Music on this episode features the Dutch Cove String Band with a tune called The Greenville Waltz. That song comes off their album Sycamore Tea, released by Apple Shop's own June Apple Recordings in 1978. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening to Real People Radio. And please, wash your hands and stay safe during these very strange times.